Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Well, it is my honor this morning to be able to introduce our guest speakers to you. Uh, They are people that, uh, you know, I think of the word, when I think of them, I think of the word cheerleader, you know, because you need to have cheerleaders in your life. And in ministry, you got to have cheerleaders. And uh, I know that they have been cheerleaders to many people in ministry. Um, I can think of a church in Green Bay today, uh, a young man, or young man, he's probably my age, that's pastoring, um, that they were cheerleaders for. There's a church in Minnesota today. There's a church in Yankton, South Dakota that has a pastor there that they've been cheerleaders for. Your lead pastor and myself and Devin, they have been cheerleaders for us. I remember when I was in this program called Master's Commission, they brought me into the office and they said, Jerry, we need to talk to you. And uh, I said, okay, what's this about? What's your next step? And I told them what I, what I thought I wanted to do. And they said, we think you're ready for ministry. <sighs> ministry wasn't even on my radar. You know, I, I, was, I was not feeling ready for that, but they saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And they have an incredible ministry legacy and they're not done with ministry by any, any shot of the imagination, but they have an amazing legacy. And I just told you this morning, all the different churches of pastors that are out there preaching the word this morning, that they've had a great hand influencing. And so, Scott and Joy, thank you guys so much for being an influence in our hearts and in our lives. You guys are truly parents, spiritual parents. And uh, they're going to be talking to you today about marriage. And uh, they, had this, we had a, they did a marriage conference for us yesterday. And one of the questions that they asked was, what was something about marriage that you wish you knew before you got married? And as I sat there and I thought about that question, um, my mind went to thank you. Because these two, I got to see them at their very worst as, as Christians. And uh, I, being someone who uh, didn't come from a place where I saw Christian uh, marriage modeled, I got to sit and watch them. I got to watch them, and they were so real with us uh, as a group. We went through a ministry school together. They were so real with us in marriage that by the time I was ready to, 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 to say I do to Devin, I had a pretty good expectation of what marriage was really like. It wasn't an, a rose-colored dream for me. I knew because these guys, I mean, they literally let me live in their house for three months, so I got a front-row seat to, to watch Christian parents and watch a Christian married couple, and uh, I, I want to say thank you guys for that. That was just an incredible school for me, and I really, as I sat there trying to think of things yesterday of what I wish I would have known before I was married, I couldn't come up with a lot because, honestly, you guys give me a great, realistic expectation of what marriage was, so thank you guys. They have a dynamic marriage, and they have a great family, and they'll tell you more about that, but um, Scott and Joy, thank you guys so much. They influenced me. I know Pastor Barry and Alyssa, when Pastor Barry was thinking about ministry, you guys were cheerleaders for him. You saw something in him that he didn't see, and that's part of what pushed him into ministry, me too. So please welcome Scott and Joy Linners that come and minister to us this morning. Thank you, Jared. I am... Um Wish you hadn't said all that. You left me with nothing. We're just going to close in prayer this morning. (laughs) It is great to be here with you this morning, to be in church. What a great church. Joy and I are just honored to be here. Uh, We drove into town on Friday evening and and enjoyed a a cookout meal with Pastor Barry and Alyssa and family and and, and church staff. And it was a uh, just a great time of fellowship there. And yesterday we had a 
really good day here at your church for the marriage conference. And so obviously several of you weren't here. Uh, we're going to continue uh, on some of the things that we talked about yesterday, but with a new message here this morning for you. All right, you got what's going on. So um, let me just give you a real quick background on our personal life. Uh, Pastor Jared, you... <laughs> That, that, was, that was pretty meaningful. I hadn't thought about the um, churches and pastors that um, are meeting this morning that, we're, that we've just been a part of their life. Um, but you two are a real special couple. And Devin, right behind, right behind Devin is her mom and dad. Some of you probably met them. But um, Teresa and Galen, we've known for over 30 years. We were just young youth pastors when the Lord moved us to Green Bay, Wisconsin, and, and that was a little bit of God's sinister humor. And God does have sinister humor, by the way. Uh, just want to want you to know that. I grew up in Rockford, Illinois with uh, Joy and I both. Our families grew up in, uh, from Rockford, Illinois, which isn't far from Chicago. And, and back in that era, for those of you who care, uh, there was a football team in Chicago that dominated. And so uh, I see a Chicago Bears shirt right back there. Bear down. Um, so... Uh, die hard, bleeding, blue and orange for a time. I know now, like, not a lot of people even care. And here in Iowa, um, you know, the go Hawkeyes. Um, so there's not a professional football team, and, and now it's like, nah, who cares? However, back in that time, um, being a die hard Chicago Bear fan, for the Lord to move us to Green Bay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that was God's sinister humor. I was like, what? Why am I here? This is not even cool. I'll tell you this, in all honesty, um, it was not long into uh, our, our time in Green Bay as youth pastor, and we had one of the young men, he was a senior in high school, kind of a leader among the uh, youth group at the time, come over to our house at night and tied a teddy bear up to in a tree with a noose um, hanging from our tree at night. So we saw it in the morning with a note pinned to it. It said something along the lines of, please don't be a Bears fan in, in Titletown. Um, and so, <laughs> all right. Woohoo! <laughs> so, Galen, I just want you to know your shirt offends me. <laughs> but we've known Galen and Teresa. Uh, for more than 30 years, and, and Devin as well. She was 10 years old when we first met her, and, and we welcomed her and her sister into our youth group. And Teresa, let me just say publicly, thank you for sharing your daughters with us. Um, your family has been a blessing to us. Devin, you are a very special person in our life, and we're very proud of you. And to see you leading worship and being a godly wife and mother, um, we're just really proud of you. Way to go. So, yeah, there you go. So while we were in Green Bay, both our sons were born. We have two sons, two adult sons now. Uh, our oldest son uh, got married a year ago. He is a full-time youth pastor in Los Alamos, New Mexico. Um, in fact, he just moved there a couple of weeks ago, starting this brand new adventure with his wife. Uh, we have no grandchildren yet, um, but they are our youth pastors at Assembly God Church, and we are very proud of him and, and his wife, and our second son is living with us. We live in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, he is a shift manager at a Qdoba restaurant, and in all likelihood pursuing a 
career in, in restaurant management. We're really proud of him and for what he's doing. And, and so we feel pretty blessed. And I just want you to know that we have been invited here this morning because we have all of the answers. <laughs> we have it figured out and we have a perfect marriage. So that is why we're here today. And if you believe that, we've got some property we want to sell you. Uh, it's not true at all. Um, we have had our share of struggles and highs and lows in life. And uh, we're just honored to be here to share a little bit of what we've learned over the years. And hopefully you are encouraged by that here this morning. Uh, let me uh, start with this story about there was a husband who was told by a marriage counselor to try to be more considerate to his wife. And so one day he came home from work. He dressed up in a suit, put on a tie, sprayed on nice cologne, had a bouquet of flowers and a box of candy in his hands. And he walked up to the front door of his house and rings the doorbell for his wife to answer. And he's like, surprise. And so uh, the wife opens up the door, takes one look at him, and, and, and then she starts crying. And in between her sobs, she says, I can't believe it. Our son, John, has been throwing up all day. Our dishwasher just broke. Your parents are coming to visit us this weekend. And to top it off, you come home drunk. <laughs> there. There are times when our intentions are misinterpreted and our communication breaks down in our marriage. Joy and I share the opinion that most marriage conflicts are a result of misunderstanding and communication styles and, and communication languages of our spouses. We talked a little bit about that yesterday in our marriage conference, but I think it's significant that the Apostle Paul wrote specific words about marriage and about husbands and wives in Ephesians chapter 5. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, um, either the printed version or the electronic version, and you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be camping out in Ephesians 5 a little bit this morning here in this message. Some of the words that the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 5 emphasize the differences between men and women. And, and some of the greatest needs in the marriage relationship. And so, so today, my wife, Joy, and I, we're going to share and, or attempt to bring some clarification to the significance of one verse in particular, Ephesians 5.33. But first, uh, let's, let's just lay a little bit of foundation about what we're going to be talking about and, and where this is coming from. So a little bit of background, a little foundation, Ephesians 5.33 uh, and, and what lies ahead for us this morning. The overarching goal of the entire chapter of Ephesians chapter 5, if you read the whole chapter, we're not going to take the time to do that today, but if you read Ephesians chapter 5, the overarching goal was, was to be imitators of God. Now, that's a good goal, and we all need to strive to be imitators of God. Married or single, young or old, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God first and then have unity in all of our relationships through mutual submission to each other. 
Um, I'll let Pastor Barry tackle the verses on submission. Uh, we're going we're gonna to avoid that today. Um, that's another whole message. But Ephesians 5 talks about mutual submission to each other. Across the board, in the church, in your relationships, husbands and wives included. And so even though we all have very different communication styles and personalities, we can be united through what we have in common and, and we can live in unity with each other because we all have something in common. The fact that all of you are in this church at this time, this morning, says you all have one thing at least in common. You all have come to Indianola first for church. We all have at least one thing in common and probably a lot more when you think about it. Ideally, also, our marriages are to be a picture of the relationship that Jesus Christ has with his church. So those of you who are married, husbands and wives, are married, your marriage is supposed to show an example, be a model for not just this church to see, but the community to see of how Christ loves the church. The commitment that Christ has to the church is modeled and demonstrated in your marriage. So Joy and I are just like any other married couple. We live through peaks and valleys, ups and downs. We need to constantly invest in our marriage. We constantly need to work on improving our marriage. We need to avoid deferred maintenance in our marriage. We need always to find ways to improve, and it can always get better. But I can tell you that Joy is my best friend, and I am thrilled to spend the rest of my life with her. We've been married for 32 and a half years, 32 plus years, and, and it's, it's, been, it's been a roller coaster. And, and it's been exciting at times. It's been adventurous at times. It's been difficult at times. But I'm looking forward to the next 32 years because uh, I get to spend it with my best friend. Well, let's take a look at Ephesians 5.33. So Ephesians 5.33 in the NIV says this, real simple verse. Uh, now, remember, this is sandwiched in the middle of context. Um, that you have to read the rest of it. I understand that. But he, Ephesians 5.33 says, However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. All right? So notice what it doesn't say. It, it doesn't say, now I believe this to be true, but it doesn't say, husbands respect your wives. Now I think husbands should respect their wives. I think respect is wrapped up in love. But husbands, you are to love your wife. And how are you to love your wife? The way that Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He laid down his life and died for the church. He didn't demand his own way. And husbands, that's the kind of sacrificial love you're supposed to have for your wife. And then it says, wives, respect your husbands. It doesn't say, wives, love your husbands. Now, I believe wives are supposed to love their husbands. I think they should. It's a good thing. But respect. And there's a reason that Paul said that. And that's what we want to unpack today. And so um, many of our comments today 
come from a couple of main sources. One, you're probably familiar with this. Uh, if you're not, I would highly recommend the book and even the, the study that goes along with it um, called Love and Respect by Dr. Emerson Egrich. Um, we've taught that many times um, to groups and churches that we've been a part of. We've read the book. It's excellent, excellent teaching on love and respect. Um, goes into far more detail than we can get into this morning, but comes from that. And there's a lot of other great resources that we have also incorporated into this that we've read and some of our comments may reflect some of the other resources that we've been a part of and, and other things that have been meaningful to us this morning. But we read these instructions from the Bible. Instructions that say, husbands love your wives, wives respect your husbands. But it leaves us asking, how? How do we do that? Because the Apostle Paul didn't exactly lay it out step by step. Husbands, here's how you can love your, your wives. And, and wives, here's how you can respect your husbands. He just says, do it. So we're going to try to attempt to answer that how in a few ways here this morning. What does it mean? And they're, they're, the, the idea of loving a wife and respecting a husband is an idea that is really as different as, as pink and blue. And so um, that's kind of the theme of our message here this morning. And so uh, not only do we have pink and blue glasses, because men, we tend to look through our blue glasses and women tend to look through their pink glasses, but we also brought some for some of you. So we've got a few um, to give away. I'm not sure how that's going to happen here, but we've got pink and blue glasses. We don't have enough for everybody, but if you are a married couple sitting here, just wave your hand and we're going to try to toss out some glasses to the married couples here today. Not everybody will get one, but um, just wave your hand and even up in the balcony, I think we've got some pink and blue glasses to give. They're, they're yours. You can put them on. You can sport them during the service here this morning and, um, and they're nice and dark tints so you can wear them. Um, you know, out in public too, um, are pink and blue glasses because we tend to see life through pink and blue glasses. All right, cool. Hey, thank you guys for helping pass out the pink and blue glasses. Okay. <laughs> no, they're not readers. They're not readers. <laughs> I'm at that point in life where I have to put sunglasses over my glasses so I can see. Um, let's just start with women love your husbands, or women respect your husbands. Why does Jesus not at that point say women love your husbands? Because innately, we are already wired that way. Women, I know what the world tells you, but I know what the, the Bible says you were created. You were created to love. Your love, your nurturing, you don't have a problem with that part of the verse. He didn't say just love. He said respect. And then the world will tell you that if you respect him and he doesn't deserve your respect, you just become a doormat and you're just, you know, he's just lording it over you and I'll give him respect when he deserves respect. Then say that. There's no qualifier. Wives, respect your husbands. So what are we looking for? We are women, and we like to love. It's natural for us. It's not really difficult for us. Uh, we see a couple sitting together in the park, talking face to face. Oh. We beam all the way through our friend's wedding, or cry, as is my custom. 
You watch Hallmark and Jane Austen movies, and how do they end? Snow falling at midnight with a kiss. That's the way it goes. As you pass the hospital, you see new parents coming from the maternity ward, and your mind races back to the birth of your first child and what you felt as a couple. You look at the world through these pink sunglasses. Forgive the stereotypic couple color, but it makes my point. You see the presence of love. You scout for it. You can find it without looking for it because God designed you this way. Ephesians 5.33 commands husbands to love their wives. Wives need to feel love. It's a, it's a basic need of us to feel love. And we look for it. We look to be loved. Love colors what we see. We see the presence of love. We can recognize it. And we also see the absence of love, of what you feel is unloving. You see the sad countenance of a wife as she walks with her husband. I people watch. I am an incessant people watcher. And I sit in the mall. I would like to just go for a day and sit in the mall and just watch couples and people. I, I'm incessant. Scott's always like, stop staring. I'm like, I'm just watching them. You listen carefully to the negative way your friend's husband talks to her. You wonder why your husband does not say, let's talk. Instead, he reads the paper, or he works out, or he does yard work. In fact, if your husband does several things that feel unloving, you might say to him as you walk to the car from the parent-teacher meeting, why don't you ever hold my hand? I'm sick and tired of this lack of romance. When my, your husband counters, where is that coming from? This is unbelievable. I don't deserve this disrespect. You discount this as further evidence that he is clueless, insensitive, and egotistical. One man said, God, why did you make women so soft and beautiful? God said, so you'd love them. Then the man asked, then God, why did you make women so illogical and emotional? God said, so they'd love you. But could it be that your husband is looking through different colored sunglasses? Could it be that he's not wrong, just different? That's really it, isn't it? Pink and blue, they're not wrong. They're just different, different perspectives. So a lot of what we uh, might share this morning are going to be broad generalities. We know that there are exceptions to the rules um, and, and not everybody is going to fall into just one broad category and we're going to throw a blanket over everybody. But we are just going to speak in some generalities because generally this is kind of the way men and women are and think and see and view. So forgive us if you don't fall right into that exact stereotype. We get it. But men, as husbands, we kind of tend to notice matters of honor. We gravitate towards things that, that generate honor, that reflect honor. Uh, the, movie Saving the movie Saving Private Ryan about the invasion of Normandy. I mean, that can really grip us in our hearts as we fixate on the incredible heroism. We think about the honor that is there. We follow our favorite sports teams. 
from Chicago. <laughs> and we feel a part of, of these men who say, we respect one another more than anybody on the planet. We do anything for each other, one for all, all for one. We're going to be number one again someday. There's, there's the note maybe you have from your, your growing son who's growing and maturing and, and he writes this note or maybe gives you a Father's Day card and that Father's Day card says something like, Dad, I respect you more than anybody else. And, and that's the card or note that you keep and hold on to as gold. You tuck it in the drawer and nobody else knows about it, but you know it's there. Honor. A picture of maybe a war buddy who gave his life that, that you might live is center stage in your office. These, these things are about strength and honor. And, and the phrase from the movie, the, the gladiator, just stands out. God designed men to be so moved by honor that they give their very lives. Men serve and die for honor. That honor and respect. And, I mean, is that asking too much from our wives? Really? So we look at the world through our blue glasses. We see the presence of respect in the world. We scout for it. We find it sometimes without even looking for it. It just jumps out at us. And, and we believe that God designed men this way. And so Ephesians 5.33 commands wives to respect their husbands. Husbands need to feel respected. And we are hurt, upset, and angered when we feel disrespected. Husbands look to be respected. Respect colors what we see. Conversely, we're destroyed by contempt. We pick up on the absence of respect. Men look at the world through these blue glasses, and it's not wrong. It's just different. It's just different. Friends, a wife needs to feel loved for who she is, and a husband needs to feel respected for who he is. And a husband has two choices. He can either condemn his wife for her pink lenses, or he can appreciate God's design for her pink outlook. And I might add, if he seeks to see through her pink lenses and she tends to engage him on his blue perspective, if he's sensitive to her needs, he can appeal to her to, to, her, to soften her disrespectful actions and begin to understand and see a little bit of life through her lenses and the way that she sees it. And maybe the wife will see a little bit of life through the lenses of her husband and see it the way he sees it. Who's right? Who's wrong? A husband is right when he needs to feel respected. He is wrong when he acts in unloving ways. A wife is right when she needs to feel loved. But she is wrong when she acts in disrespectful ways. A beautiful discovery a couple can make is this. My spouse is not wrong. She's just different. Pink is not wrong for being pink. Blue is not wrong for being blue. 
they are just simply different. Simply different from being pink, simply different from being blue. So again, we come to the question of how. How do we do this? How do we show love? How do we show respect in practical ways? So we're going to team up to share a few ideas and thoughts on how we think this can be done. So here we go. The meat of the message this morning is this. Men, you can love your wives by romancing her. Pursue her in marriage like you did when you were dating. Remember back to those days before you were married, you were dating, first date you went on and you were really hoping to get a second date and then the second date happened and you were pretty excited about that and so the dating came and then you realized she's the one and then you proposed and, and you might have put a lot of thought and planning into that proposal and bought a McDonald's breakfast and brought it to her in bed with a little card and a rose and asked her to marry you. <laughs> that's, that's what I did. Yeah, when the butter gave it away. Yeah, I am. Um, okay, so we were brought up in Christian homes and, and I had to arrange this with her parents and it was on Christmas Eve and I wanted to make her breakfast in bed. So I had to get, you know, mom and dad's permission and, and a little bit of their assistance as well. And so um, uh, as I was planning through this, I thought, I, I, actually, I, I can't cook. So, so to make her breakfast in bed would be a big fail. So I went to McDonald's. <laughs> and I bought the big breakfast, the one that has the eggs and the sausage and the pancakes and the juice. And I bought a rose. And I went to her parents' house, and I transferred it all off that styrofoam tray onto a really nice, with, with her mom's help, onto a really nice plate um, and, and, you know, with the syrup and everything. And, and I would have had it. I would have had it. I mean, I mean, I would have pulled it off, except that pat of butter that goes on the pancakes had the little M for McDonald's on the butter. <laughs> so her dad has a video camera, and, and he's following me, and we go to the bedroom and, and push open the door, and he stands in the doorway, and I had the... And, Late, and I set it down on the nightstand, and I'm like, joy, joy, joy. And it was, you know, the first time I'd ever had the opportunity to ever wake her up. And she's waking up, like, what are you doing here in bedhead and everything else? And like, I brought you breakfast in bed. Oh, thanks. And she sits up in bed and sees that. And you went to McDonald's? Not very respectful. <laughs> That was not very respectful. <laughs> so romance, pursue her in your marriage like you did when you were dating. Romantic little things like love notes or, or a lunch in the park on your lunch break. She was your priority back then and, and she needs to be your priority like that now. Most waking moments back then included thoughts of her. Remember, you couldn't stop thinking about her. She wants to be that kind of priority for you now. And so from the verses in Ephesians, men are instructed to love their wives like Christ loved the church. That means the well-being of the church is Christ's priority. You are always on his mind. 
He's always thinking about you. The Bible says he dances over you with joy. And therefore, the well-being of your wife needs to be your priority. And, and husbands, don't be like the man whose wife asked him what was on TV. And he replied by saying, dust. There's dust on TV. Show your wife the same level of admiration that you showed her when you were trying to get her to date you. Let me illustrate this way. So this is a typical conversation in the bedroom closet with the man and woman. The woman looks at the rack and she says, I have nothing to wear. What does that mean? I have nothing new. When a man looks at the closet and says, I have nothing to wear. What he means is there's nothing clean. That is true. Same statement. Same statement. Two different glasses. See? So wives, respect your husbands. Now, I'm going to get some pushback on this because there are those of you that have been indoctrinated by the world that says women can do anything a man can do. Men get to respect if they deserve respect. And if until he starts acting loving to me, I'm not going to respect him. Not true. It's not biblical. The statement that a woman and a man are exactly the same is not biblical. God created them male and female. Nothing in between, by the way. It's male and female. And God set it up that way. God designed women from man. It's not saying that women are not able to do what a man can do, but there are some things we are just not. And thankfully, I happen to enjoy being a woman and saying, I'm too weak to do that. <laughs> women, we have to take advantage of the fact that we are women. And we have to celebrate the fact that we are women. And we have to learn to understand that while we are easy, we have no problem loving somebody. Watch a, watch a bunch of girls together with their girlfriends. They will talk and be honest about things they would never share with anybody else because it's easy for us to have camaraderie and love. Men need respect. Not if they deserve it, but because God commands it. If you're waiting for your husband to deserve respect, there are going to be times that he does and there are going to be times that you're thinking, oh boy, this is going to be a real test of my obedience. Men need respect. So you have to respect your husband, first of all, in public. I get really, really annoyed with women who badmouth their husbands in public in front of their girlfriends. Well, my husband is just a, he's just a bore. How dare you? That is not the Christian way to talk or think. And God has blessed you, whether you want to believe it or not, by having this man that is going to give his life for you. He would. So make your, your comments po positive. Yesterday we were having a question about things we wish we knew, and in-laws came up in both sessions with men and women. Ladies, don't badmouth your husband in front of your mom. She has enough of her own hang-ups about your husband because he's never going to be good enough, so don't give her more ammunition. You know? Just... Build your husband up in public. Build your husband up in front of your mother-in-law. 
All right, so for the sake of time here this morning, we've got to keep moving on here. Um, we're going to just kind of quickly hit the next few points. In fact, I think for the person doing the uh, computer uh, video slides here, we're going to skip number three. But number two here is this. Husbands, we want you to love, you need to love your wives. You can show love to your wives. One of the ways you show love to your wives is by reminding her that you need her. That's right. You need her. You need her in your life. Remember back when you got married and the reasons why? Wives like to be reminded that they're needed, that you need her in your life. Don't be like the husband that told his wife on their wedding day, I love you, I said it publicly then, we kissed, I meant it then, and if anything ever changes, I'll let you know. And never says, I love you again. Don't be that guy. They want to feel needed in your life, so let your wife know that her opinions are important to you. Her input is valued in your life. Why do we need our wives? Why did we want to get married? As a young man, I made a choice to get married for several reasons, so that I could spend the rest of my life with my best friend. I wanted her companionship with me, that I can take this journey of life together with with the person that I loved most. I wanted her friendship. I wanted her presence. I wanted her wisdom. I wanted her partnership. I want her respect. And I valued her opinions and input then, and I need to remind her that I still need her in my life now. Women's respect your husbands by not making assumptions. Try not to jump to the negative conclusion about him. Don't assume the worst. You are married to a person who is a sinner as are you. But they are not intending to be unloving or disrespectful. Women, limit your poetic license in conversation by avoiding two words, always and never. You always do that. You never say I love you. Avoid those two words. All right, just real quickly flash on the screen, number three, the third way men you can love your wife is by learning to um, interpret her language. Now, we talked a little bit about this yesterday in the marriage conference, and all I'm going to say about that is that we all speak a different love language, and I highly recommend the book, The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. If you're not familiar with it or haven't read it, I, I highly recommend. Look it up on um, Amazon or, or your bookstore, the five love languages, and learn your wife's or your husband, your spouse's love language, um, because we're all different, and learn how to interpret that and learn how to speak that. Number four is this. Husbands, you can love your wives by investing in your marriage. Investing in your marriage. Educate yourself. Read books. I know it just doesn't seem like the manly macho thing to do. Um, you know, working on cars and yard work and tractors and, and, and you know, hunting and fishing are, are far more of those manly things that are part of our DNA. But read a book. Educate yourself. Invest in your marriage. Attend a marriage conference with your wife like there was yesterday. Attend a class or seminar that your church may sponsor with your wife. Invest in your marriage. Spend time with your wife. 
get to know her. She's constantly evolving and changing. Learn her. Educate, become an expert on your wife. Do you know what her favorite color is? Her favorite candy bar? Learn your wife. Become the number one expert. Know her likes, her dislikes, her favorite foods, her favorite restaurants, her favorite movies. Those change all the time because, you know, Hallmark. <laughs> Have a date night. Get a babysitter. That money is money well spent and worth it. And it will save you thousands of dollars in the long run on a divorce attorney. Right? Invest in your marriage. Wives, respect your husband's judgment and abilities. A man deeply needs the woman in his life to respect his knowledge, his opinions, and his decisions. You can show your respect by calling on his knowledge on a given subject. My husband is a wonderful, amazing preacher. And when I need biblical knowledge or an understanding of a passage I'm reading, he's the first one I go to. Men are fixers and builders. They need to figure out things for themselves. Never tell my husband that an appliance is broken. He will take a butter knife, and he will take a whole thing apart to figure out what the problem is. They need to figure things out for themselves, and if they can, they feel like they've conquered something and are affirmed as men. I got that toaster to work. It only works on one side, but it works. When men put things together, they have specific steps. Step one, throw the directions in the trash. Step two, grab the butter knife, which is the universal tool. Then they work to put it together. When they get to the end and are stumped, they jump to step 21, dig the instructions out of the trash. So the next time he's trying to put together the new shelf from Walmart, don't ask him, don't help him unless he asks. Stay out of it. The same applies to directions when driving. Just had to throw that in there. Each of us must focus on what God is calling us to do toward our spouses. Don't focus on what you think God is calling your spouse to do toward you. It's not about what your spouse is not. It's about who you are. It's not about her being unlovable. It's about you being loving. It's not about him being respect respectable. It's about you being respectful. It's all about who God is calling you to be, independent of who they are. I want to close with this, uh, this story. There was a young man attending college, and uh, he walked into a uh, photography studio type of place with a picture of his girlfriend and he wanted the picture to be professionally duplicated. And so uh, he asked if there was a way that they could somehow take a you know, picture of the picture, duplicate the picture, what have you. And the owner of this photography store noticed that there was a little note on the back of the picture. And so he flipped it over and, and, and that note said this, my dearest Tom, I love you with all my heart. I love you more and more every day. I will love you forever and ever. I am yours for all eternity. And signed by Diane. 
And then it contained, P.S. If we ever break up, I want this picture back. <laughs> now think about all that she wrote. In marriage, there is no P.S. if ever. That doesn't work in marriage. It is a commitment for life. Our commitment does not have an escape clause written into it. In marriage, there are going to be irritations. There are also going to be times of heated fellowship. <laughs> Feel free to use that one. God can use all of those things to reveal the inner properties of each one of us. We all have rough edges that need to be smoothed out, that need to be refined. And sometimes God uses our spouses to help work on our character flaws. When we marry, we want to find the right person. But we rarely think about being the right person. When we focus on being the right person, we will imitate God better. And our marriages are going to be a better picture of the way that Christ loves his church. And it is for that reason that we want strong marriages, healthy marriages, godly marriages, not just to be a role model for those in this, in this church family. We need that. But also in the community. Also to your neighbors who need to see what a strong godly marriage looks like. Also to your coworkers who might be struggling in their own marriage and they need to see and understand and know that there are strong godly marriages out there. That's why imitators of God, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Wives, respect your husbands. And that way, we're imitators showing unity and being role models and examples. Amen? Amen. Here's how we want to close. We want to close with a, uh, with a special prayer for the married couples that are in this room this morning. Now, I recognize that there are um, single people in this room, some young, some older, um, some single by choice, some single not by choice. We get that. And, and we do not want in any way for you to feel neglected or overlooked. God has a plan for you and a plan for your life. Um, and so we, we pray for that. We honor that. But this morning, we want to pray a special prayer of blessing on the married couples here because we want strong, godly marriages in this community. So if you are a married couple here, no matter how long, how short, at what stage, I, I would just ask you if the married couples would stand up right now for a prayer. Hold the hand of your spouse. Honey, come on. Stand with me. And let's just, um, let's just pray together for God's blessing. Heavenly Father, today we are so thankful. So thankful for the marriages that are represented in this room, in this church. So thankful that your presence has been here with us this morning. And so thankful for the instructions that you give us in your word. And so today, God, I pray that your blessing would reside over every marriage their households would be blessed by you. May your favor rest on them.
May your presence be with them when they come, when they go, all around them. May they sense your peace in their families when they struggle, when their communication is difficult and challenged, when men want to see blue and women want to see pink. Lord, I pray that we would have understanding that comes from you and your Holy Spirit. Soften our hearts to be tender and loving and respectful to each other. And may we be the godly role models and examples that you want us to be as we imitate you in this community, in our workplaces, for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.